What's up, Predators? Thanks for tuning in to the audio portion of the Smasher Pass broadcast with Travis and Dean. If you want to catch the video portion of it whenever we go live, check it out on YouTube at Apex Predator Outdoors and at Lung Crusher 53. Whenever we go live there, you can comment and be part of the show live. Comment and talk to our guests and uh, be a part of the show. So if you want to check it out, again, go check it out at Apex Predator Outdoors or Lung Crusher 53 at YouTube and be part of the show and also guys go ahead and subscribe and like and hit that little notification bell so you can be reminded whenever we post new episodes of the show and also subscribe to the feed here wherever you're listening to it so you can make sure that you never miss a new episode thanks predators and as always keep defying the odds all right what is going on predators travis here with apex predator outdoors uh, today, we've got a special guest here we're we'll talking to, and we're going to be uh, talking about being fit, being outdoors, and, uh, you know, shooting your bow and making yourself better at archery, because that's uh, what we want to do here. We're going to grow and uh, become better hunters and better archers as much as we can. So with me today, we've got Dean. Dean, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been a, it's been a, a, a fun day of travel, man. So I'm glad we got, got able to, to put this together, and I'm really excited, man, about about talking to Brian, too, is kind of funny how you probably don't remember how I met you, but I watched you do a, uh, a deal on the corrugate guide pants and uh, and it reached out to you about the sizing. And ever since then, I was like, we got to get this guy on because I started kind of looking at some of the stuff you were doing. I was like very interested. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking some time out and, and, uh, and spending it with us and introduce yourself, kind of who, who you are, how you got into this and, and what you do. And we'll roll from there. Yeah, you bet. Well, uh, Dean and Travis, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the, this opportunity and uh, maybe giving your listeners some something to chew on for a little bit when it comes to bow hunting and, and our events and stuff. So, yeah, Brian Austin, I am uh, from uh, southern Wisconsin, uh, uh, owner of the Beast Mode Archer Challenge and GFB Outdoors. Uh, been in the fitness industry now for 20 plus years. I've uh, been doing personal training and group classes and kind of all that good stuff when it comes to, to health and wellness and fitness. And oh, about five, six years ago, I decided to kind of merge those two together. Uh, my two passions for bow hunting and archery, along with uh, being active and fit and, and coming up with events that people can do with their bow and arrow that's going to help prepare them. Uh, for whatever hunt they might be going on in the fall, whether it be, you know, anything from a Midwest uh, deer hunt to, you know, a backcountry elk hunt or sheep hunt or whatever it might be. So uh, doing events at Tyro Basin Ski Resort here in the southern part of the of the state uh, for the last, this is the fourth year now that we've been doing events there. And uh, yeah, it just, it's, it kind of grew from from me doing uh, competitions like uh, like Train to Hunt that used to be around and the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge and and really going all over the country trying to do these uh, these events and nothing was really based here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has, according to I think it's Pope and Young or the Rocky Mountain Health Foundation did a a study and we have over three hundred thousand bow hunters. Wow. I think the only state that uh, exceeds us is maybe Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, but I think we have more bow hunters in this state than just about all the Western states put together. So uh, archery and bow hunting is something uh, that's really big here in Wisconsin and, and in the Midwest. So 
uh, it may, just made sense for us to do uh, these types of events uh, here in this part of the nation. So, And with the, uh, the events there, I, I kind of was looking at them a little bit. It's almost got a, a CrossFit feel to it. Is that sort of Yeah, you, you could say that uh, for sure. Uh, it's definitely, we get a lot of CrossFitters that, that do the uh, events. Um, and I think it's what's similar about it is, is possible. I'm not a CrossFitter myself, but I think that they have a great uh, community and they really encourage one another. And, and it's, it's, it's that uh, community feel. And that's really what our events are about, too. It's, it's bringing a lot of like minded folks together and pushing one another. And, yeah, it's a competition where we're trying to challenge each, each other. But uh, everybody's out there cheering each other on as well, too, because we these events and being a bow hunter our main goal is to be as fit as we can come september or, or october and these events are really just kind of benchmarks to get us to that point and and to help motivate us and, and keep us on track and encourage us to you know not sit on the couch for too long in the winter <laughs> right right especially here in wisconsin yeah, it's a little, it's a, a bit chilly and hard to work out outside in it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it could, be, it could be twenty below one day and fifty degrees the next day here in springtime. So sure. you just don't know what you're going to have. Sure. Yeah, I know you had different kind of different um, events too. Are they all essentially the same, or do you have kind of yeah. like a beginner set or or what? <sighs> learning they're, how to all, bow hunt, or you know? Yeah, they're all different, uh, unique in in a different way. Uh, like this event that's coming up here at the end of April, uh, April 29th, is the Beast Mode Endurance Archery Challenge. And this is the first time uh, that we're doing a, a challenge like this. This was actually supposed to be our very first event back in 2020. But when the pandemic hit, we had to cancel this event because uh, it was going to be in the spring of that year. And if you remember, that was when everything was blowing up. So. Mm -hmm. So we're bringing this event back. So this event is really uh, geared towards people uh, that are to kind of simulate what you might encounter in a day out in the mountains. Gotcha. So we're starting out this year. It's going to be an eight-hour event. I think as the years progress, I'd like to do maybe build it into a 12 and then eventually a 24-hour event. Uh, so it's it's a wow. uh, it, it's going to be actually. Obviously, it's in endurance. It's the Beast Mode Endurance Archery Challenge. So you try to complete as many laps as you can in eight hours, and we're going to have targets on each lap uh, that, depending on how you shoot those targets, if you get a you know, if you hit a heart or a lung, great, you get to move on and, and finish out the lap and continue on. If you get a body or uh, if you wound the animal or if you miss the animal, there's going to be a, a, an actual challenge that you have to complete might be a sled pull, you know, let's say a 300 yard sled pull, or it might be an extra hill climb or something like that that you have to complete before you get to, to move on. So, wow. Wow. So it's actually a very simple event from my point of view, from putting it on, it's just come up with a, up with a, with a lap and people just do as many laps as they can in those eight hours. So, so we have people sign up for that, that have never done one of our events and are somewhat intimidated because they're like man i haven't been doing much and and i've never done something like this and i was like look at it as just you're it's a day of scouting you're going out sure. and you're walking for eight hours right you know it, it it's again i have this event in april 
so that it hopefully would help it helped people to stay motivated through the winter um, sure and and it got people out to do some hiking and rocking and stuff over the last two months as the weather got better uh, but also this time of year, it kind of replicates what we're going to experience in September and October in terms of weather, uh, you know, temperature, that type of stuff. So that's where, why we have this event kind of the end of April. Um, and, then you, and then you get punished for making a bad shot, which I love. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, like... and, and usually in our, in our other events, like the BMAC games that's in June, if you, uh, you there's a time penalty associated with the shots where there's a penalty if you shoot a, a body or a miss and then there's a bonus if you shoot uh, a heart um but this event I, I wanted to make this a little different so that if you have to do something that's going to physically challenge you and deplete your energy stores even more just like in the you know if you're in the mountains going on an elk hunt and you hit an animal and you don't know if you killed it or not you could spend a day maybe two days searching for that animal to make sure that you didn't uh, you know, it's, it's not dead somewhere. Sure. Well, that's kind of where, where that comes into play. So very interesting. And then, and this is all, is this one specifically individualized? Cause I think there's a couple you had that you could do some teams also. Right. This one you can do as a team. So you can do okay. it solo okay. uh, or you can do it as a team of three or four. Uh, I believe the solo men have to carry 30 pounds on their back with their bow and, and gear. Uh, teams have to do a hundred pounds. Okay. Uh, so if it's a team of three, you can split that weight up between the three of you, however you want team of four, same thing. You can split that up. If you have a team of four, you, you have a little bit of flexibility there. You can have at least three people on your team have to be out on the course at one time. Okay. So that fourth person could be resting and you could alternate uh, between them, or you keep all four out on the course and your average pack weight would be maybe a little less. So, there's going to be some strategy to play there with, with some of the teams on how they want to uh, strategy that. So, and then if you, is it co-ed as well, or does, does that matter? Yeah. Uh, they can have co-ed teams and I believe it's uh, five pounds for every woman that you have on your team. You can take that off of the hundred pounds. Oh, okay. So, so okay. there's a little, uh, you know, if you have, you know, two women on your team, you can take a total, I believe it's 10, five or 10 pounds a person of that so so there awesome. so you can do that and and uh, i do try to uh for the women their weights are a little different but really when it comes down to and this is something that's new for this event is that there's no age groups hmm. because yes it's a competition but again our main goal is hunting season the mountains don't care if you're a man or a woman or if you're sure. 25 or 25 Right. You still got to carry the same amount of gear for the most part. You, you know, you still got to put in that work. Uh, so that's something that we're trying out with this event is that we're not having any age groups. We do have a men and women's division. Uh, and we obviously the teams can be co-ed or, or all men or all women, whatever they, they want. So, but hey, no age groups. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that just, that just sounds like it would be a hoot to do. Like, you know, we need to get a team and zip up there. Are, are you, do you have a lot of out-of-staters come, or are they? Yeah, I think to... right now we have uh, we have about thirty to thirty-five signed up, which is a good number to start with. I think we'll probably end up with about fifty competitors, which for the first time doing this type of event, I'm very happy with. Yeah, and I believe we have uh, eleven states coming so far, so it's not just uh, Wisconsin people. There, there's people from all over the Midwest. 
I believe there's a person from Virginia, somebody from Florida. Oh, wow. So we got, um, yeah, people coming from all over because you just can't find events like this. So people right. are pretty right. die hard to do this type of stuff or willing to travel. So is this part of the, or is it part of the growth plan to eventually start traveling around kind of like how the tech and all this, all these, some of the other 3D events have gotten out there and traveled around the country or? Yeah. So our, our plan was to do that uh, last year or two years ago. Uh, but it just got too expensive with everything that was happening and gas prices that were going up mm -hmm. at that time. And, and it was, it was, um, you know, to, to take this, I guess this show on the road, uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and really what makes our events really special is our relationship with, uh, Tyrell Basin and our ability to, to put on these events there and, and to make trails and, and to do all that kind of stuff and have a great working relationship with them. And it's hard to find that um, if you try to find a archery club or a bow club, there's just a lot of red tape and a lot of red flags and, and things that you got to work through to, to make an event like this happen there. And then most ski hills uh, across the east and even the west that I've worked with in the past, they just want so much uh, – up front or they want uh, you know stuff to be guaranteed and these types of events is just hard to break even let alone uh, factor in the travel costs and stuff like that so i would love long answer short i'd love to take this on the road uh i think there's a lot of demand for it it's just a matter of finding the right events and the right venues that are willing to work with us and be flexible what's the the elevation you guys have there does that to help them prep for western yeah, it's not high at all. I think we're right around a thousand feet and you know above sea level, so we're not at elevation at all. Uh, but for example, the BMAC Games, the course that we have for that has usually been between two and three thousand foot of elevation gain and loss. Okay. So it's we go up and down the hill a lot. Uh, okay. In, yeah. In you know, different ways. You know, there's a lot of different slopes we can utilize in, in the woods and stuff like that. So. We do get a fair amount of get, of ups and downs. Uh, mm -hmm. We just don't. We just are not at elevation. I guess. Sure. Sure. Uh, this part of the state is pretty hilly. You know, obviously we don't have mountains, but it is it is pretty hilly here. So you're way higher than where I'm at. I'm I'm 13 feet below sea level. So yeah, you know. yeah. That's a, and then a you throw some, and throw some weight on there. You might as well. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, you, you start carrying a you know 40, 50 pounds on your back. You know, right, that's a thousand feet, maybe fifty at that point. If, if you're not used to it, you know? yeah, exactly. And then uh, you know, the BMAC Games is in the end of June. Usually, it's hot and humid, and uh, that humidity for a lot of people it affects them more than what uh, elevation does. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's it's not uh, untypical for us to have you know ninety plus humidity and, and eighty to ninety. The one year it was hundred and three when we did an event. Wow. So. It's, wow. um, so we may not have the elevation, but we have other things that we have to, you know, contend with. So. And y'all cover while you're there, um, do any like nutrition or any of those kind of talks just for people coming from a, the flatlander to the, to the mountains yeah. so they get used to it. Right. Uh, yeah, I've done a couple of videos, uh, YouTube videos on that. We, you know, obviously in the competitor meetings, you know, before the event, you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, making sure you're hydrated and, and replenishing your, your fuel and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. 
but really in terms of that that comes down to the person you know being responsible and, and educating themselves ahead of time and most of these people are because they uh, are kind of hunter athletes i guess if you want to say that um so most of them know how to hydrate and take care of themselves so yeah. that is something that probably should put a little bit more emphasis on and then when you're doing your training how do you approach that again kind of for the people that are the flatlanders to the to the mountains are you doing a lot of rucking Whoop. a lot of pack work a lot of is it oh there we are there we go there you go <laughs> yep I, I, so m- most of our training uh especially people that are you know easterners or in the flats uh, there is really no substitute for rucking. I mean, you got to spend time if your hunt is in the mountains and it's, you know, a backpack style hunt, rather it be a backcountry hunt, or even if you're doing a day hunt from your truck, you got to spend time with your pack on and you got to rock. I mean, that is the number one thing uh, for people to do. Now, again, depending on where that person is coming from, if they're already pretty fit, or are they coming from the couch and haven't they done anything? There's, you know, there's things that we would prescribe differently for those people. Obviously, the person that is maybe just starting out from from ground zero or from 13 feet below uh, <laughs> level there, uh, there's there's definitely some some strength training and different things that they should probably be doing to help build that base and that foundation. Because some people we work with. Uh, you know, to go for a two mile ruck with a 30 pound pack might, might be overdoing it. So, uh, it really depends on the person's background and what they've been doing. Uh, but if you take a person that's kind of in shape and, 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 uh, has the motivation and, and doesn't have any ailments with their knees or backs or hips, you know, most of us, as we get older, we have joint issues or back issues that we need to work around and be smart about. But again, that's where the rocking, that's where the hiking comes into play. And that's, it, that's, it's so underrated for people's just general health when it comes to keeping your, your hips mobile, your joints mobile and, and, and uh, decreasing your body fat and all that kind of stuff. Rocking, hiking, whatever you want to call it is really a great thing. And that's the number one thing that they should be doing. Uh, on, on top of that, it's any type of sandbag work. I, I, my, I've owned gyms in the past. And, uh, but I'm much more of an outdoors person. And mm-hmm. most of my training I do with my clients now is outside. Um, and even in the middle of the winter, we could be outside training. Um, so obviously it's, it's, you gotta have the right client for that. Um, right. but, uh, I think, uh, too many people get focused on having equipment or having the right equipment or the latest gadget or whatever it is. And, Really, if you just have a backpack, a sandbag, and a good pair of boots, and maybe even a, a an ice fishing sled, like you've probably seen some videos of us pulling, mm-hmm. just pulling sleds and stuff. Yep. That right there is an excellent workout. There's so many things you can do with just bare minimal equipment uh, that you probably already have, uh, along with um, you know maybe some sandbag and body weight stuff. The, uh, it's interesting you said that I was just telling Travis that I put a big order. I just say a big order. I got like five items from Go Ruck, all the mm-hmm. sand, the uh, kettlebell and, and yeah. some of their bags and, and been kind of walking out and doing some lunges and doing like a two mile um, 
and it just kind of started it just kind of getting getting the hips to your point getting the hips ready getting the back ready kind of still doing some cardio right. um, a lot of hit stuff because i just enjoyed that portion of it mm-hmm. um but now getting outside i think that's so a it's for me more fun to be outside you know right. get a little vitamin d get in the fresh air right. uh and i'm blessed enough to be out in the country and on some land so it's not you know a concrete jungle which is great right. but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think there's, you know, carrying 60 pounds of something that is unstable mm-hmm. is, is much different than a, than a barbell. Right. In my, in my opinion. Right. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. And, and there's a time and place for the barbells and dumbbells, you know, there's definitely a time and place for that type of terrain. I just think a lot of people get, are too focused on that. Uh, but again, to each their own, it depends on what their goals are. You know, sure. some people aren't as diehard, bow hunters as, as myself and everything I do is focused around bow hunting um, or, or, or elk hunting or whatever it is. So not everybody's like that. And I, and I get that, but if, if bow hunting and, and going on a Western hunt is something that is of high priority to people, they really got to do that stuff because it's just like some of the, I used to run the tough mutters back in the day. I did many, many tough mutters and it was always amazing by about halfway into those you kind of hear people's conversations because they're either having a great time or they're having the, the worst time of their life. Right. And, it, and it's always amazing by the amount of people that, that say, man, I didn't realize I was going to be doing this much running, uh, you know, in grass or in the, right. what, what did you, it's the tough mutter. What do you think you're like? It's not pavement running. Right. So right. There's so many people that just stick to pavement or the sidewalk or, or nice smooth trails. Sure. You got to get off the beaten path and do your training. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's that specificity of training. You know, you got to train for what you're going to be doing when yeah. you're elk hunting. And even when you're deer hunting, you're not walking on a nice beaten down path. You might be for a little bit, <laughs> right. right? Right. but, but you're going off camera. You're going, you know, uh, you're kind of going freestyle through the woods there. So you got to spend time in doing that, especially with a, a load on your pack. And, and if you are successful, I mean, you might have a hundred plus pounds on your pack and you're going over, you know, uh, deadfall and steep uh, train and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't say to always have heavy, heavy packs, but you need to do that at least a few times leading up to, uh, up to your hunt. So. so that's a great, that's a great uh, question too. When you, when you say heavy pack, um, to me, a heavy pack is what I'm going in with. So when I train now currently mm-hmm. is 50 pounds of concrete and then that 60 pound sandbag. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm doing walking, right? I'll walk two miles dirt road. And my goal in that two miles is to do X amount of lunges, X amount of squats, X amount of burpees, right? I take my pack off, do a couple burpees. And, and that's how I've been trying to progress that. Is that, or, or would you say put more in your pack and use trekking poles or does it matter? Uh, well, I think it does matter. Okay. Uh, but I, th- I think uh, a variety is key and, and not to do the same thing you know, every day to change that up, you know, one day you might go with a light, a lighter pack and you might take, you know, we use brute force sandbags or whatever sandbag you have with handles or whatever you can do, have that in your pack, ruck for however far you want to go a mile or two miles. 
take that sandbag out and do some some lunges, do some burpee squat presses, some monkey dumps, all that kind of different stuff that, that we do. Throw that back in the pack and then uh, ruck back. Okay. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh, I think, also doing, uh, you know, having your route and, and trying to beat your time every so often where it's just rocking, where you're moving as quickly as you can. Um, but then also, I would say if you're going to go heavy, a heavy pack is, you know, that's kind of subjected to the person that's that's carrying it. Sure. Yeah, I, would say, sure. I would say probably for most men, it's going to be probably 80 pounds, 75 pounds and, and above. Gotcha. But, you know, some guys it might be 100 or 120 pounds is, is what they feel. And a lot of that depends on your pack too, because all these different packs carry the weight differently. Sure. Uh, but so whatever your heavy pack is, you know, do that every, I think every other week would maybe be a little much, but maybe every three weeks. Gotcha. Uh, to, and, and, you know, build that weight up a little bit, maybe go up, you know, 10% or so every, every three weeks, bump that weight up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so your so, goal would be then before you go in September, you're wanting to be at X amount of weight and whatever, you choose that weight should be if it's 100 pounds make sure you've you've rucked 100 pounds for at least a month before you hit the mountain i would say so yeah so so yeah that month of august so a lot of people make the mistake of using august as their big training month like they're like they're going gung-ho yeah and you should you should have that training done by then in august you're fine-tuning stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, you know yeah you're still doing maybe a, a heavy pack here and there where you're doing some time rocks and, and some sandbag work. Yes, you do that, but your intensity should be coming down, especially the, the last two weeks of August, or depending on, I guess, when you're going in September. Okay. You know, we, we all go a little different, but I would say that that two to three weeks before you leave for your hunt, you should just kind of be really tapering it back mm-hmm. so that when you're driving out to wherever it is that you're going, like you're chomping at the bit, and you might even feel this is so this is a tip i always tell people that when you are tapering yourself uh you should feel uh like you're almost deconditioning a little bit mm, that's when okay. you allowed your body to recover enough that uh you're probably gonna you know do really well with whatever it is rather it be a competition you know a marathon or whatever it is uh, if that's like your like your a priority event so marathon uh you know elk hunt whatever it is you should feel as though you are somewhat deconditioned before going into that event gotcha. I, don't mean, I, I don't mean like you really are deconditioned but right. just mentally you're gonna feel like man i haven't done a hard i haven't done anything event. right sure you know? yeah so yeah that's when your body is kind of uh, has recovered and is ready to go hard for whatever it is because you know for for us that travel west and we have let's say a week or 10 days or two weeks like that's all the time that we get like we don't live out there we can't go up and and go to the mountains every weekend or do long weekends like we got to make the most of it so you your body you need to have your body prepped to to do that long haul you know to to Mm -hmm. go that that week or 10 days or whatever it is and and you know, to kind of pace yourself that way. And if you go into that with doing a, you know, a month of hard training through August, you're probably going to be burnt out with, by banged up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Burnt, burnt up and, and banged yeah. up by, yeah. by day three or four of that hunt. So. 
we had a, a Cliff Gray. Uh, we had him on a couple weeks ago, and uh, and one of the things we talked about was the fitness side of it, and how important not just the fact that you're fit and ready, but how much better mentally you're prepared. To your point, seven or ten days in, you don't see anything for five days. Are you beaten down, and and then right. that just starts messing with you a little bit too, and just having being being physically ready for that extra three or four miles or that extra stock or that extra X, whatever, fill in the blank is, is, is such a big deal when you get out there um, that, that it's, you know, it's, it's so important for guys to understand that just because it could be miserable day three and and you're ready to go home. And and to your point, you get one shot, you know, you get one, seven days or 10 days to go out. You got to make the most of it, you know? So uh, that's a, that's a really good point. When you talk nutrition to your guys too, are you, are you, obviously a, a good diet throughout the year, but do you lean them more to a high carb before they go just to have a little bit more energy before they hit the mountain or, or just keep doing what you're doing? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And it's probably the most, one of the more common questions I get is, is, is nutrition. And man, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat when it comes to uh, what you, what to eat. I mean, you got the intermittent fasting, you got the carnivore, carnivore diet. There's so many things there. And, and my, what I always tell people is don't be testing something new out when you go out there and don't be testing something new out the week or two weeks beforehand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have no idea how your body's going to react to that. So, so, uh, you know, I've been in the fitness industry for long enough to see all kinds of diets. And the only one that works is the one that you can be consistent with. So I do believe that they all probably do work, but it, uh, but it depends on what is most realistic for your lifestyle and what is the one that you can stay, you know, that you can be consistent with. Mm-hmm. And that's realistic for your lifestyle. You know, and everybody's different. Everybody, everybody's job is different. Every, you know, what we do for a living, if we're active or if we're sedentary, or do we have a lot of work events and parties that we have to go to? So all that comes into play. So you really got to be able to tailor that to the person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's really not a specific diet that I, that I tell people. The number one thing is, is to be healthy, you know, to, to eat for uh, human performance to eat for weight loss, to eat for muscle gain, to all of that, those are all different. Mm-hmm. Those are all very different diets that you need. So you got to really figure out what is my number one goal? Is my number one goal fat loss or, or weight loss? Well, that diet probably isn't going to be great to fuel you for a 10 day elk hunt. Mm-hmm. So that's why that, that fat loss to be, it, it's, you got to look as in a year, you know, in, in that full 12 months, you can't be trying to lose weight that month or two months leading up to an Alcon. You, that's when you should be really training and, and feeling your body to train and to get stronger and whatever it is. So again, you know, not trying to get out of the question, but it really yeah. does depend on the person and, and where they are on sure. of their journey to being healthier and, and more fit and stuff. But, but I always tend to, no matter where they're at, they got to eat to be healthy. So limiting the, the processed foods, you know, all, the stuff that we all know about. You know? about yeah. 
you know, yeah. not, not eating at, at fast foods and stuff like that. And, and then, to be honest with you, a lot of the, a lot of the health food, you know, a lot of the protein shakes and a lot of that stuff, that stuff is more processed than, you know, some of the food you get at the fast food restaurants. So agreed. Yeah, you really got to be careful what you put in your body, and, and it's educating yourself in terms of, um, you know, every, people need a little skin in the game. Yeah, and you got to spend the time to educate themselves, and and whether that be YouTube or online or hiring a trainer or whatever it is, they got to do something to educate themselves, uh, so that they know how to handle it. But yes, but so leading into that hunt, then um, uh, that that diet is probably going to be a little different than what they typically have. Sure. So. Yeah, we always tell people to make sure you. That was one thing Cliff had said too. Yeah. Go ahead. It's like I said, don't go making any big changes right before you know, you go out for a hunt because that's, that's going to do you in. It's going to be the first thing that does you in because your body's not used to it and you're stacking that activity on top of it, you know, so just stick with, you know, at least for the, like a month or two before whatever that activity is a hunt or, you know, something like the beast mode challenge, stick to whatever you're doing. So your body has a consistent homeostasis and right. should, should serve you pretty well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cliff's a, uh, I, I don't know Cliff. I've watched a lot of his stuff and uh, he's, really smart he, he's kind of got a, a no bs approach to a lot of different stuff and yeah. and hasn't fallen victim to uh, uh all of the stuff that goes around the hunting industry <laughs> so, yeah. so on the on the fitness side do they if people want to do you have like a, an app or or something you put out for people to follow is that how would they find that sure so if they're local uh, and can train with me. I do my hunter fitness class on Tuesday nights uh, at Tyro Basin. Huh. And I have this year. I have over forty people that are signed up to do that. So not that every Tuesday night is, is I have forty people, but uh, we have a pretty good group every 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 Tuesday night that comes and trains, and and we do a lot of uh, rucking and sandbag stuff, and just a lot of different. It's just crazy stuff that I come up with and it's, you know, shooting your bow as well too, with an elevated heart rate and under, uh, you know, under that type of stress. Um, if they can't do that, uh, I've teamed up with, uh, the good folks that fit the hunt. Uh, they're out of, uh, Missouri. And so, uh, I'm technically a, a trainer for them and can do online training, uh, through fit the hunt. And then I also have some programs that, uh, I'm coming out with there's two programs right now i think we have the the first two phases of the beast mode archery challenge uh workout programs uh that are four to six weeks long and those programs are are made to get people from you know maybe the couch or maybe they're kind of working out but don't really know what they're doing to uh the ability to do one of our events and then also to be able to do uh, an elk hunt or whatever hunt it is. So that's going to be a multi-phase program throughout the year that we're releasing uh, different phases. Another one that, to be honest with you, I, I can't remember if it's out yet or not, but it's the Flatland or the Backcountry, and that's really geared towards the folks that uh, you know live in the east and don't have the ability to you know, to go hike the mountains or whatever it is to, sure. to get in shape. So that, that program is designed, you know, specifically to get people, uh, you know, from the flatland country to be able to do uh, a backcountry hunt or whatever it might be. But 
It's also just not for the people that live in the East because I've driven through almost every state in the West. And I tell you what, most of Wyoming and Montana is flat until you get to Florida. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, uh, those guys always say that we have flat country, but my goodness, <laughs> the Eastern part of Colorado is pretty flat. Too. It is flat. Yes. You it's know. like, it must be part of Kansas really. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, uh, um, um so a couple of fun, just fun questions were, since you're an archer, we'll flip to kind of the archery side of it. Um, what's your thought? We'll go with just elk hunting in general. Yeah. Are you a, are you a high FOC heavyweight guy or are you a, a mid FOC flat, you know, kind of lightweight yeah. guy? Uh, you know, I, I was, so I've been shooting archery for a long time and I was, I love shooting 3d. I mean, I've shot 3d tournaments for a long, long time. And I went from a super lightweight, fast arrow, very flat trajectory, obviously for 3d, especially back in the day when, uh, you couldn't use range finders, you know, everything was judging the distance. So if you're off by two yards and it's a 43 yard shot, if you have a, a heavy arrow, that two yard difference could be six, eight inches or more. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I kind of got on the bandwagon for a little while and I went super heavy. I was 600 and some grain arrow with, I don't know what the FOC was, but it was pretty heavy. And what kind of where I'm at now is kind of in between. It's, it's, uh, I think my arrow is four, 430, 440. So it's not super heavy. It does have some FOC. Um, but more what I'm focused on now, well, I tell you why I switched is because, uh, I used to always shoot a single pin. And we had this big buck come in. Yeah, I mean, he was a big, he was, he was a big buck. And uh, I misjudged him after my buddy missed him. Uh, he was filming me, uh, but long story short, uh, he he missed him. He trotted out, and he was he was walking, kind of angling away. I judged him for I forget what it was. I think like 31 yards because it all happened that quick. Sure. He ended up being 34 yards after I ranged it, and, it, and my arrow went right underneath him. Oh, that three yards! If I would have had the arrow set up I had oh. now, he would have been a dead deer. But because wow. I had such a heavy arrow, uh, and sometimes when you don't have that ability to range find things, mm-hmm. I think that heavy arrow is it, it, it deters people. I mean, you just can't. You got to be exact on with that yardage. Yeah. Depending on your setup, you know, yeah. especially out after past 30 yards. I mean, you got to be right on with that yardage to make a good, clean shot. So I think there's a good, uh, happy medium kind of, uh, I think around 450 to like 480 or so is a really happy medium because you still have enough speed to get it there quickly, a little bit flatter shooting. But, you know, if you do hit that shoulder blade, you hit a bone or something like that, it's still got enough energy that it's going to get its way and through and into the vitals and things like that, you know, where, you know, I mean, people still kill, uh, you know, elk with, you know, sub 400 grain arrows, you know, but then again, you, you, you always question what happens if I hit the shoulder, is it going to go through or is right. it just going to, I've heard of people having arrows with like, there's like a 350 grain arrow with a, a, a flapper on it, you know, a mechanical and it literally hit the, the elk and just bounced right off and like right. it just it walked off like nothing happened, you know? So yeah, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a balancing act, right? It is a balancing act and it really comes down to, you know, what your draw length is, what your poundage is and all that stuff. But I really like to, to keep my uh, setup to be around that 280 to 290 at the very fast for speed. You know, so, so I like, 
I think in that 280 to 285, you can get the fixed blade broadheads to fly better. Uh, everything's a little bit more forgiving. Uh, I think if you get too fast, especially if you get up over 300 and you're trying to get a, a fixed blade broadhead, uh, I think they're harder to tune. And uh, I, I just don't think that your setup is, is as forgiving uh, for a hunting setup. So I like that, like that 280 to 285. So with my latest bow, I, I just kind of went with that. I was like, all right, this is my bow. This is my draw length. Like what's, what arrow setup am I going to have that's going to have me around that 280 to 285? And like what you said, Travis, I think that speed uh, is a still, you still have a fairly flat trajectory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can get 110 yards on my uh, option site. So, cause I like to shoot, I, I love shooting long distance. And again, when I had that heavy setup, I couldn't shoot anything past 75 yards. It, it just ran out of sight tape. And, and if, if I could move it, my sight was going to be, you know, hitting my arrow as it, as it released. So yeah. that's, that's where I'm at too. I think the, the furthest I can shoot is 65 because I'm a little short little dude, got like a 26 inch woman draw, you know? And, uh, and so when we do tack anytime that's it's past 75 80 yards i'm kind of like putting my i have a single pin yeah. and then trying to oh there's a tree okay that's 20 more yeah. yards there's 80 and i'm just ended up shooting in the air you know somewhere and hoping it it hits you know yeah. <laughs> but exactly. it's so, fun it's a lot of fun to do it but oh yeah, yeah it, it is fun. i think that yeah <laughs> i think that heavy setup uh is great for people that just hunt whitetail if you're gonna hunt whitetail and most of your shots are under 30 or even under 25 or 20 then yeah then have at it just put go as heavy as you can and and uh and let it rip uh, but i think it's for us picks too yeah oh yeah exactly yeah. yeah yep we uh have you heard of the easy v site yep so I, I tried that, uh, which was a huge mistake at TAC in Colorado. Um, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun to try it just because I wanted to see, you know, one, how accurate I could be personally and, right. and where, where that limit was. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it's almost the same thing as if I had that with a heavy arrow, my limit would be a tree stand ground blind. I mean, it is what it is. Past 40, yeah. it was, and again, for me, worthless great design though i've loved it like i'm determined yeah. to, to get it dialed in now it's a, it's a it's just it's it's, it's going to happen at some point i'm going to i'm going to figure that thing out but yeah. not past 40 yards there's no way yeah the uh the concept of that is really cool i i yeah. I, I know of a guy that um kind of strode a target panic and switched to that <laughs> for a while and he's been able to go back to a regular site after shooting that he said that really helped with his target panic just because you don't have that dot that you're sure aiming at mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's definitely retraining your mind how to how to figure it out though you know that yeah. was that was the key for sure mm-hmm. and then when you shoot those one-third targets you know to get ready for tack it, it just messes you even more right yeah one of the things that helped me most with target panic for a while there was uh pulling my peep out on a boat shooting peepless a lot of people are like, whoa, 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 like that didn't even make sense. And I was like, dude, as long as your anchor points are consistent every time, you don't need a deep side, man. I was like, sure, whenever you're getting out to, you know, 80, 90, 100 yards right. consistently for practice or for challenge like beast motor attack or anything like that, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's, it helps to have a little, yeah, a little bit extra edge and accuracy with the deep side. And I've actually put one back in my bow now, but that was the thing that like 
just having the one less thing to worry about lining up to the target, you know, and it's just made it so much easier for me. Right. So. No, that's, that's, uh, anything that, that works, uh, yeah, go for it. That, that, that's something that, you know, the whole target panic, uh, topic, uh, I've had people say, oh, I can never do your events cause, or, you know, what you do cr- creates target panic, you know, the, the fast shooting or the shooting with the elevator heart. And it's like, actually most people that do have target panic find that, you know, whatever challenge it might be, you know, especially during our class where we're maybe doing burpees or some type of exercise and you run over, grab your bow, make a shot. You're, you kind of lose the men, you kind of lose the mental part of it. Cause you're just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you're kind of, uh, exerting that energy energy and you're not so focused on just aiming you're, it's the whole process. Uh, so most people that do that I've encountered that have target panic, uh, shooting your bow while exercising has, I think, has helped some people. So. You may have already said this, uh, but how are uh, how what's your average shots and what are your longer shots under the course that y'all do? So, uh, um, the like our fitness challenge, like like the endurance event and the games, I try to keep them realistic uh you know 60 yards and less and obviously 60 yards would be bigger animals like elk and stuff like that then we have our our king of the hill 3d shoot in july it's the last weekend of july and that uh shoot is people call it the tack of wisconsin or the mountain mountain archery fest of wisconsin it's 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 uh we have 40 plus targets we have three different courses and it's set up for long shots our longest shot is 100 and last year's 123 yards at, at the Buffalo. So that we have, I mean, I, I, re, I stretch them out and there's tough shots, there's tough angles and all that kind of stuff, but that events for fun. Mm-hmm. People can shoot from the cone or they can move up and shoot wherever they want. We're not even keeping, I mean, people can keep track of their score if they want, but most don't. They just come and have a good time with their buddies. So, uh, but our actual competitions, uh, it's usually 60 yards is, is the most. So. Mm-hmm. And during class, when we're working out and doing our shooting and stuff like that, usually 30 yards is, is the most at that point. Otherwise, I have a lot of disgruntled people that are going to <laughs> Right. Bunch of arrows in the backyard. Yeah. So, you got to be smart about that. I would say yeah. if you're thinking about doing something like that, you know, where you do 10 burpees and make a shot or – you know, come up with four or five different exercises, then run over to your bow, maybe set your, where you're shooting from is maybe 40 yards or something. You run over and you make a shot. I would start at, you know, maybe if you're, if you're totally new to it, just start at 15 yards, start at 20 yards and and get, and get the feel of it. And it helps to control. It teaches people how to control their breathing. Cause if you just got done doing that and you're, you know, breathing hard, you know, you got to really learn, bring that heart right down. There's different breathing techniques that you can do, you know, through the nose, four counts, out through the mouth, four counts that usually within a couple of those counts, you've settled down enough to be able to, you know, at least aim and make a shot where your eyeballs aren't feeling like they're going to pop out of your head or anything. So, uh, but there's different ways that you can, you can, you know, control that breathing. And then all that, again, all the, the reason for this is when it comes to making that shot in the mountains on an elk that you've been, dreaming of for a whole year that you can do it because odds are if you're not breathing hard from going up a mountain or down a mountain or whatever it is you're breathing hard because you have an elk you know mm-hmm. at you from 20 yards away and he's 
staring right through you. I mean, if that doesn't get your heart rate pounding, then you probably shouldn't be uh, hunting. So, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, we kept you long enough. I know you had to. Uh... You had your your class you got to get to so we don't want to we don't want to make you make you rush over there but but i really appreciate you taking the time out man this is a great conversation i'm glad uh, that, that you came on and and uh, kind of talked about the beast mode i i, I want to come up at one point i gotta just book that trip and, and zip up there i think that'd be a blast if, if for nothing else just to kind of meet everybody and, and have yeah. a good time and and do a bunch of burpees and you know throw up or something. I don't know. But, you know there's there's only somebody that's thrown up at some point. <laughs> Just, don't don't right. <laughs> yeah. Just don't be the first right. guy. Just don't be the first guy. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks guys for watching. Uh, thanks Brian for coming on, man. Really appreciate talking to us. Uh, go check it out. And uh, what's your website uh, again, Brian? Uh, BeastModeArcherChallenge.com. There you go. Uh, go ahead and check out the links down below in the description. Get a discount on the Crafted Archery Arrows and the Arrow and Broadheads, as well as the Easy Banks as scrolling across the screen right now. So thank you guys for watching. And as always, keep defying the odds. See you guys later. Thanks. <laughs>